This podcast is part of the Headstuff Podcast Network. Hello, 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 and welcome to another episode of I Know That Face, the only podcast which honors the often underappreciated by the masses work of character actors. My name is Stephen Porte. My name is Andrew Carroll. For this bonus. We are breaking form to discuss Ooh, South Korean cinema yeah. a bit more broadly. Yeah. Um, this is to prepare listeners for our episode devoted to the country's leading star, yeah. Song Kang-ho. Yeah, most bankable actor. Yeah, yeah. so that, that episode will be coming out next yeah. week. So, uh, my, But myself and Andrew um, thought it would be nice to give a little bit of a primer yeah. about him. Yeah, because... Well, people might not know that much about South Korean cinema. Exactly. Yeah. And me and Andrew love it. We're like, big, big fans. Yeah. We've written yeah. about it yeah. separately, together. Extensively. Yeah. And um, now that Bong Joon-ho, uh, one of the country's top directors, if not the director of South Korea, yeah. um, his movie Parasite is just crossed over so huge overseas. Yeah, um, yeah. It's just got nominated for six, six Academy Oscars. Awards. Six Oscars, yeah. And is one of the favourites. Yeah, like, it might actually do it. award for its cast. Exactly. Yeah. And um, by the time this comes out, th- this it, will all happen. None of this will make... A Joker yeah, will have won. Yeah, Joker will have won. Yeah. But, um, yeah, we understand for casual cinema... Joker should have won. <laughs> <laughs> I do like Joker. I'll put that on the record. But... Yeah, we understand for casual cinema goers discussing 10 South Korean movies they may have never even heard of, let alone seen, uh, can seem quite daunting. So consider this um, a little bit of a, a prep. A, a primer. Next, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Next week's episode. South Korean Cinema 101. Yeah. With professors Andrew Carroll and Stephen Portia. <laughs> but what is it about South Korean cinema that you love so much, Andrew? Well, my first experience of it was Old Boy. And I think that was a lot of people's experiences with mm. it, um, which is a movie by kind of South Korea's maybe he probably him and Bong Joon-ho probably yes. share that title yes. Park Chan-wook they're his most famous director in South Korea because both of their movies all their movies have made like absolute bank in the country and he hasn't had as much crossover I don't think uh, in terms of box office success as Bong Joon-ho has but yeah Old Boy is like basically it's a it's a revenge movie kind of at its heart it's part of it's the second one in his Vengeance trilogy so you had Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance then you had Old Boy and then you had Lady Vengeance but yeah, Old Boy was uh, my first experience. My friend gave it to me on a USB stick when I was in when I was seventeen or so, and it just blew me away. Like I've never seen, I'd seen revenge movies before and all that, but they're usually like, "My daughter's dead, and now I'm out for revenge." <laughs> that kind of shite. Whereas yeah. this was like, "My daughter might be dead, but I don't care." <laughs> no, it's not that complicated. Like, the start is kind of choppy, but then he gets put into he gets kidnapped for no known reasons. A character called uh, Odey Su. It's played by Choi Min Sik, who's kind of like South Korea's Gary Oldman. Gary Oldman, yeah, yeah. just an absolute psychopath. He's in all actually his roles. in Lucy, the Luke Besson movie. That's his only oh, yeah. English language yeah. credit. He's very good at that. Yeah, but yeah, he get and he's put in like a hotel room kind of prison for fifteen years, and um, is a bit of released after fifteen years and sets out on this bizarre bonkers quest to um find the person that did it to, that put him in prison for 15 years and killed him and along the way there's like suicide incest there's he eats live octopuses at one stage yes yeah it's crazy crazy yeah i have a list here and i've never seen anything like it before and i was blown away yeah. and every time i see a south korean movie re- whether revenge based or not i'm blown away cuz we don't get a lot of them over here and it's weird because last year, to open up the year, we had Burning, mm. the amazing kind of social drama, Hitchcock thriller. And this year we have Parasite, amazing social drama, maybe Hitchcockian, I don't know. Yes, uh, very Hitchcockian, yeah. I would say. Their mainstream films have such a focus on like 
the working class or like just class itself but they're wrapped up in this like genre trappings but they have such respect for the genre as well as like the more hot kind of highbrow mm. uh themes and stuff that it you never feel like it's talking down to you i don't know it's uh it's special it's crazy Very special. how these movies which are mainstream successes in korea we watch them here and you're like this was a blockbuster hit. Yeah. Like if this came out here, this would be the most niche arthousey yeah. thing. Yeah. Um, I have—I was saying before—I have a list here that uh, was written by the Guardian, uh, by a writer called Steve Rose, uh, and it was in response to when Spike Lee's terrible Old Boy remake came yeah. out, and he was—he was listing the reasons why South Korean cinema is better than Hollywood, mm. and it like—and they're a little bit tongue-in-cheek his reasons, yeah. but uh, he's not wrong. Uh, inventive murder weapons. Very true. Yeah. And he, he I am a quote here from him where he says, there's no right to bear arms in the South Korean constitution, but it doesn't say anything about hammers. Yeah. <laughs> so in Hollywood, you can just spray the bad guy with bullets. Um, but in Korea, you've got to kind of think outside yeah, the box. Take out his teeth. And, you know, hammers, they're referring yeah. to old boy. Also yeah. The Chaser, which is another fantastic yeah. South Korean Screwdriver movie. Screwdriver in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Of course. Yeah. And then also deranged storylines. Oh, yeah. He says, yeah. Um, and he, he his quote is that South Korea shares a border with a communist dictatorship that's hungry, armed to the teeth, and constantly threatening to start a nuclear war. Mm. The US has Canada. <laughs> Living in a permanent state of military paranoia must do things to the South Korean psyche that we cannot comprehend. Mm. Perhaps this is why they are so, they so regularly come up with terrifying horrors and ingenious gotcha plot twists. Yeah. So um, he also says, what's beyond our wildest imaginations isn't beyond theirs. Yeah. When Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance came out, um, which has the the actor Song Kang-ho, who we'll be talking about in our next episode, um, in it, it was kind of seen as a reaction to the South Korean kind of ideology of peacemaking and harmony, which is, you know, kind of is, has kind of always been their, not always been their attitude to their northern neighbor, but has been kind of like, especially in the more the last 20 years or so, they've been trying to, you know, foster good relations as opposed to, you know, separate them from the world as so many superpowers have tried to do. I suppose Park Chan-wook's movies, especially the Vengeance trilogy, have kind of seen, been seen as a response to that. Not necessarily that, uh, oh, so North, our northern neighbour is bad, but that, um, you know, we shouldn't be so passive and you know, trying to forgive each other and, you know, we should accept that there is darkness in the human soul, mm. basically. And he has made a movie explicitly about the North Korean, South Korean conflict yeah. with uh, JSA, yeah. which was his first big yeah. breakthrough success, which also stars Sang Kang Ho. Yeah. So we'll yeah. be talking One about One of the that. biggest movies in South Korean history, as far as I know. Yeah, I think Quentin Tarantino listed it in his top 20 movies yeah. of that decade. No surprises there. Yeah. He's a massive fan. He was on the, he on a podcast recently, he was talking about being on the jury uh, a can, I think, when Old Boy played there, yeah. and he said that he'd seen it, and he was so worried that he would have to convince people of its merit yeah. because it was so out there and so extreme yeah. and so violent. And he was delighted when everyone yeah. was like, "Old Boy's <laughs> great. We love Old Boy. We have no problem with Old Boy." <laughs> um, another thing, um, this person Steve Rose talks about is genre bending. Yeah, in South Korean movies, and he says there's a lot less of a willingness to devote themselves so carefully to the policed genre rules of Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. Um, so that's movies like The Wailing, which yeah, I wrote an incredible about. movie. Yeah, and yeah. It, it like it begins as a crime thriller before adding zombies, demonic yeah. possessions, and more into the yeah. mix. Um, I also think Rose doesn't mention this in the piece, but aside from genre bending, there's a lot of invention to South yeah. Korean cinema. 
uh, Thirst, which we will discuss uh, in relation to Song Gang Ho, yeah. is a movie about a devout Catholic priest yeah. who becomes a vampire. Yeah. Train to Busan is about a zombie outbreak on a train. Yeah. Uh, Good, the Bad and the Weird, which is uh, this crazy extended homage to Sergio Leone, but transplanted to South Korea mm. and has been dubbed a kimchi western. They're just, you watch them and your your jaw just hits the floor. Yeah. How yeah. No, one has th- no one has thought of these ideas. Yeah. These are great. Yeah. You know, there's just so much invention there. And um, I've written down a lot of information on the history of what might have led to this surge in mm. great movies coming to South Korea. So bear with me for a bit because it's going to turn into the Rubber Bandits podcast, Blind Boys podcast, <laughs> like a long monologue. But, um, so basically, the cinematic output of South Korea is all tied up in these socio-political factors. Korea was liberated from Japan in 1945 before civil war erupted in 1950 for three years between the North. Um, the North, which is a socialist state established under the communist leadership of Kim Il-sung, yeah. and the South, a capitalist state under an anti-communist leadership. The Korean War was among the most destructive conflicts of the modern era, with approximately three million war fatalities and a larger proportional civil- civilian death toll than World War II yeah. or the Vietnam War. So, pretty tough yeah. times, but they say that tough times make for great art. And in the 50s, and particularly the early 60s, um, that being a time when filmmakers enjoyed a brief freedom from censorship in between two governments, um, the country entered this golden age of making movies, uh, producing, amongst many things, The Handmaid, which was this uh, 1960s horror thriller about a composer and his wife whose lives are thrown into turmoil when a housemaid becomes more than they bargained for. And it was actually remade in 2010 and competed for the Palme d'Or in Cannes. I actually haven't seen either of the movies, but they sound really good. I've seen The Handmaiden. Yes. It's, Park Chan-wook's yeah. last movie. And that is That's an unreal. Incredible movie. Yeah. We're going to talk about that. Yeah, yeah. Um, not in terms of San Kang Ho, yeah. but in this episode, because yeah. it's one of my favorites. Yeah. However, um, in 1962, government control over the film industry increased substantially. Uh, under the Motion Picture Law in 1962, new regulations reduced the number of domestic film production companies from 71 to 16. Insane. Uh, just within a year. Yeah. And uh, government censorship targeted obscenity communism and unpatriotic themes Mm. in films and then things got worse in the 70s um the 1981 international film guide wrote no country has a stricter code of film censorship than south korea Mm. with the possible exception of the north koreans and some other communist bloc countries only filmmakers who had previously produced ideologically sound films i'm Mm. using that in quotation marks um can you hear our air quotes (laughs) (laughs) uh were considered to be loyal and who were considered to be loyal to the government were allowed to release new films. Mm. Uh, members of the film industry who tried to bypass censorship laws were blacklisted, sometimes imprisoned. You know, as typical with all these matters over time. I thought things, Ireland under the Catholic Church was bad. Yeah, exactly. But mm. like well, like what happened here in Ireland, things did just mellow out. Yeah, People yeah, yeah. changed with the times. The priests died. <laughs> <laughs> um, in the 1980s, uh, the South Korean government began to relax its censorship and control of the film industry. The Motion Picture Law of 1984 allowed independent filmmakers to be producing. Uh, seeing how much money could be made, business conglomerates began to enter into the film industry um, you know, through an integrated system yeah. of financing, producing, and distributing. And while the financial crisis did result in many of them scaling back their involvement in the 90s, uh, by that time they had already laid the groundwork for yeah. the renaissance in South Korean filmmaking that we're seeing now yeah. by supporting the young directors and introducing good business practices yeah. into the industry. And um, so now we have this new Korean cinema, which... Includes glossy blockbusters and creative genre films um, that began to merge in the 90s and uh, the early 2000s. And I think the movie that heralded that was Shiri, which features Sang Kang Ho in a supporting role. Uh, This big spy blockbuster, which was partially funded by Samsung, the company, and um, was seen in South Korean cinemas by 6.5 million people. Wow. 
beating the previous record set by Titanic, which was only 4.3 million. Mm. And um, it was a big success overseas as well. So, and then in 2000, Park Chan Wook's drama thriller, Joint Security Area, yeah. the one about the Korean North and South. Yeah, uh, the divide. It's two, it's, there's a murder in the demilitarized zone. Yes. And then the security agents from both sides have to work together to solve it. Yeah. And I yeah. think from there, we're a bit off to the races in terms of Korean yeah, movies being yeah, great. Yeah. And um, yeah, I don't like, ro- They were rolling in pits of money from then. <laughs> and. Uh, I think a lot of factors, the, some of these factors play into why South Korean films are so ballsy and daring mm. and exciting. Like, you can only suppress people for so long yeah. you know, when they're given the opportunity to do something. They go book wild. They go crazy. Yeah. And um, I remember myself and Papa Port saw The Gangster, The Cop, and The Devil mm. last year. Uh, this incredible South Korean gangster serial killer movie, which played at the uh, IFI Harathon last yeah. year. It's basically like imagine Robert De Niro and Al Pacino teamed up in heat yeah. to kill Wayne Grow. Yeah, yeah. And that's it's just a movie where I remember myself and my father saying that like if Hollywood could just follow like ten yeah. percent about movies, little moments of genius, you know, it's berserk action yeah. scenes, it's inventive plot, your mainstream cinema would be so much better. Yeah. I, rem- I remember hearing um, that the guy that was in Train to Busan, uh, I think his name is Ma Dong Suk. Yeah, Ma Dong Suk. Um, I remember hearing he couldn't film a role for John Wick Three because he was filming The Gangster, The Cop, and The Devil, and I was oh, I was so mad. It's worth it because Gangster Come the Devil might even be better than John Wick. Yeah, but it's harder to find. <laughs> I know, that's true. Um, that's the tragedy. I do, I do think, though, that we're starting to see slowly South Korean influence on Hollywood movies. Mm, yeah. Um, because the best two Korean directors, Bong Joon-ho and Park Chan-wook, have made English language yeah, movies now. Yeah. Uh, Bong did Hokcha. Yeah, the Netflix um, kind of, it was a big hit. And Snowpiercer as well, which yeah. had a bit of trouble finding um, distribution or yeah. problem with uh, Harvey Weinstein. Guess we can thank for that. Yeah, yeah. but um, it has, I think it's found its audience. Like it has a cool following. It's being adapted into a TV show now in America yeah. for TNT. Yeah. They've been adapting it for like seven years. Yeah, it's true. It's, it's had real problems. <laughs> yeah. There's something about Snowpiercer that just can't get off the yeah, ground without yeah, a hitch. Yeah. Uh, and then Park Chan. It's Wook. gone off the rails. I suppose Ooh, you could say. But this now full steam train. ahead. Yeah. <laughs> Park Chan Wook did Stoker yeah. with Nicole Kidman, yeah. Mia Vazkowska, fantastic movie. But not only that, like I'm, I'm starting to see Korean action cinema's influence on movies like, as you said, John Wick, John Wick three, yeah, uh, Atomic Blonde, and mm. then that actor you mentioned, Ma Dong Suk, the big tough working yeah, class yeah. guy trained to Busan, and the gangster and the gangster cop and the devil, he's going to be in the the Eternals. Oh yeah, yeah, cool. The upcoming Marvel movie. Yeah. So um, I think we're going to start hearing more about South Korean cinema um, in the West, yeah, you know, in the future. So uh, yeah, I thought it would be cool to just pick and talk a little bit about five. So Korean movies uh, that we really, really love, yeah, yeah. you know, and maybe sit, hold off on the San Kang Ho ones for, you know, the next episode. Uh, there goes my list. Oh, no, go on. <laughs> no, I'm Because I have literally on my um, list every Bong Joon-ho movie. Okay. I haven't yeah. seen his first film, but every one since Memories of Murder. Yeah. Well, I think top of my list is probably Burning. Yes. Yeah. Incredible yeah. movie. Steven Yeun from The Walking Dead is in it, directed by, it's, it's kind of South Korea's maybe... He's probably his best, their best mm, kind of art house, maybe drama director, Lee Chang Dong. Yeah. But he's also incredible at like the, the genre stuff as well. Mm. Yeah, because um, it's like, because it starts out as like kind of like a social drama where this guy is, um, dreams of being a writer, but is forced to go back to his father's farm after his dad's arrested. He meets a, a girl he knew from his past life and then she goes off to Africa on a holiday and brings back with her like her millionaire boy toy, Ben, who's played by Stephen Yeun. And then it, in the middle of the film, there's like something happens. And uh, from then on, it becomes like a Hitchcockian kind of thriller of uh, the guy um, following Ben around 
uh, trying to find out what's happening. And it's so sinister. Like, you really need to see the movie. And I don't really want to risk spoiling anything, but, like, you'll never look at a greenhouse, a well, or someone yawn the same way again after you see it. You'll never listen to Miles Davis the same way again. That scene is my favourite in any movie, maybe. Yeah. The, The... Sunset, yeah, yeah. Scene where Stephen Yeun's describing how he likes to burn down greenhouses. Yeah, yeah. Amazing. It We're just all changes at the mercy the of the morals of nature, Stephen. Mm. I'm going to talk about. Um, I saw the devil, which is um, a movie that makes seven look tame. <laughs> I have heard that. Yeah. Yeah. So it basically, it's about uh, when a serial killer who's played by Choi Min Sik, we yeah. mentioned earlier, who's playing the character just pure id. Yeah, yeah. Uh, brutally murders the pregnant wife of a national intelligence service agent, the Korean version of the CIA, pretty yeah. much. Uh, who's played by Lee Byung Hun? Who people may know as he's he's one of these Korean actors who's crossed over to America. Yeah, he's been in GI yeah. Joe. He was in the sequel to Red, uh, the Bruce Willis movie. Yeah, all those good movies. Oh, yeah, <laughs> that's my thing. Where a lot some of the people I'm like, I really don't want you to translate yeah, because yeah. Hollywood doesn't know how to use yeah, it. Yeah, yeah. But um, when the CIA's agent's wife, pregnant wife, is killed, he goes rogue to track the killer down. But it doesn't stop there. Like wanting him to suffer as his wife did, he beats the murderer half to death. And then implants within within him a tracker mm. before setting him free. The goal being so that anytime the killer thinks he's safe, the agent will just be on call to like break his bones. Yeah. <laughs> and needless to say, all does not go according yeah, to plan. Yeah. And um you know, you could like praise the movie for being an incredible cat and mouse thriller, yeah. but it also chucks into the movie these insane action set pieces <laughs> on top of all that stuff. And uh, you know, beats which w- in any other movie, they'd be the centerpiece, yeah. like in a Hollywood movie, you know? So it, it's a film that feels like Seven meets John Wick. Yeah. And I, I love it so much. Uh, yeah, I have one called uh, The Man From Nowhere, oh, yeah. which is uh, basically uh, Won Bin plays, again, a Secret Service agent, a Korean Secret Service agent who uh, retires after his wife dies and starts running a pawn shop. And then when organ traffickers kidnap the mother and her daughter up living upstairs from him he uh, basically goes on the hunt and finds him it is brutal like there's so many knife fights in it that should teach you a don't fuck with the korean service agent <laughs> and b you know where every major blood vessel in the human body is by the end of, the, of each scene no guns what no guns yeah exactly yeah but yeah it's so brutal and one bin is like basically korea's daniel day lewis he's done five films in the last 20 years and one and the man from nowhere was made in 2010 I think he has a child now, so I think he's looking after uh, his kid. Good but, for him. Yeah, good for him. He's yeah. mother, he made his made uh, his money. Another incredible movie, not the Darren Aronofsky. Yeah, mother, mother is. Oh, that's a Bong Joon Ho movie. Yeah, without Sound Kang Ho, so we can talk about that later yeah. on. But oh, Mother is incredible. Mm. I'm going to put the Wailing. Oh, I think maybe my favorite. Oh yeah, uh, Korean Korean movie. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's this thrilling two and a half hour genre mashup. Mm. Which really puts into perspective how bad Cowboys versus Aliens is. <laughs> or like Pride and Prejudice at yeah. Zombies. Yeah, or yeah. something like that. It, it's set in a little village in the mountains of South Korea. Which sort of looks like True Detective. Yeah, in a weird yeah. way. And where this series of random gruesome murders take place. Uh, but the only element common to the crimes is that the killers all share uh, a very strange rash. Yeah. And um, you start to wonder, could the murders be linked to this Japanese stranger yeah. who has arrived in the village and seems very strange? And... Uh, yeah, as I said before, it like begins as a crime thriller, then puts in zombies, demonic possessions, and you never really, yeah, yeah, you never really know 
and kind of like 100 percent where it's going yeah. and what's happening but you're just 100 percent grip and it has some like classic motifs of asian horror like of asian horror even the uh, like the woman in white with the black hair and like this like the japanese man is just uh at times he's like because he is a villain that's not really a spoiler yeah yeah he is a villain He's a real creep. Yeah, he's a real creep. Yeah, you see him in like those kind of like prayer traditional Japanese underwear, like a loincloth or whatever it is, and he's just covered in dirt, crawling towards people with these red glowing eyes, and you're like, Jesus Christ! Never knew something so still could be so scary. Yeah, hundred percent. And um, it's all seen through the eyes of this ordinary cop. Yeah, his bits are very funny. Yeah, it's seen through the eyes of like a total dumbass, essentially. (laughs) Yeah, not to be too cruel to him, but he's thick as bricks. That is a thing you notice in South Korean movies where they really aren't afraid to risk sacrificing a very moody scene Mm. by putting in a dash of like slapstick comedy in a way that like there's a scene in Parasite towards the end where uh, somebody's being tailed by police and it's in a montage and you just see one of the policemen who's telling them fall down a flight of stairs (laughs) (laughs) and if that was in an American movie they'd be like cut that out what are you doing (laughs) but it works so well and I think I I saw an interview with Ari Aster where he was somebody was asking about the comedy in his work not a Korean director but he was saying that anytime you miss a chance for comedy is always a tragedy. Yeah. And I yeah. feel like South Korean cinema really yeah. understands that. There's a bit in The Wailing where at the start of the movie where the police officer and his wife are having sex in their car and yeah. their daughter is watching them and she just farts. <laughs> um, yeah, a movie for Mute. I was really harsh about... Th- I, well, not really harsh, I but I was kind of harsh yeah, about it when I, when I reviewed it for uh, Head Stuff two years ago. Yeah, The Villainess, which is like a... It's kind of like... Now, looking back on it now, it's a insanely good action movie uh, with a really cool strong female lead confusing story I will say very confusing story like there's blood diamonds involved like multiple South Korean agencies a criminal gang I presume and uh, like multiple like uh, assassins from her past like she starts out as this incredibly well trained assassin and somehow gets better um, from there but it's it's cool because it's like an action movie but it's tied in with all these like Korean melodrama elements that you'd see in like a K a drama TV show or something like that, and um, yeah, it just it works really well. I think. Uh, in fairness, the story is very confusing, but instead of like putting in comedy like the John Wick movies would be would do, they put in like these like really romantic scenes where she's it's very melodramatic. Uh, yeah, yeah, these really romantic scenes where she's like with her the guy she's dating who she doesn't know is her handler for um the South Korean agency and she's with her, their child on a date but like she sees people in the shadows and yeah. then later on she's like sticking a knife in a man's throat <laughs> <laughs> the action scenes in the Vilnius make it worth watching yeah, even like, with my slight reservations of what's happening yeah, is this in yeah. the past because there's a sword fight on motorbikes which was just lifted and put in John Wick yeah 3. exactly that's why I mean. and then I was like before I saw the movie I was like why has there never been like a fight scene on a bus like we have speed which is set in a bus but there's no fight scene on the bus Whereas the climax of the villainess, it's all on a bus. Yeah, I love when you see a fight in a movie and then it moves out and you're in a car chase. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. Like they do that in the raid too. Yeah, as yeah. Well. Uh, it's always, it's just one of those things yeah. where you're like, ah, cinema. Yeah. <laughs> um, but one thing about the villainess, like, when South Korean movies aren't as good, is oftentimes they can be very complex and confusing. Yeah. And you really do struggle to keep up with the plots. Yeah. But even then, I think it's almost a positive trait in that the movies really don't try and dumb down for the, the, the multiplex. Yeah, yeah. Where you feel a lot of the time it's like, no, no, keep up, keep yeah, up. Yeah, like, yeah. Good, the bad, and the yeah. weird, which uh, I'll be talking about in terms of San Kang Ho, is a pretty straightforward, 
Leone yeah. parody, not a parody, but a, a, a riff of yeah. The Good, The Bad, and The Ugly. And you have these three people who, one of them's good, one of them's bad, one of them's really weird. Yeah. <laughs> it's played by Sang Kang Ho. Yeah. And only in a South Korean movie would he be the main character, the weirdo. Yeah. <laughs> but they add in all this stuff where Japanese soldiers and South Korean soldiers are all also going for the map and there's yeah. all these gangs under surge. And it comes to a stage, you're like, who, who are you following <laughs> who? But it doesn't really matter because yeah. you're just in for the insanity of yeah. it. And I feel that a lot of American movies can get bogged down in exposition yeah. and scenes where people basically explain the plot yeah. to each other. You know? Um, yeah, one top of the Handmaiden. Yeah, go for it. Um, yeah. Which is Park Chan Wook's last movie. I think, yeah, right? yeah. He's not um, dead. It was just oh the last no, movie yeah, he yeah. Made. <laughs> he's just been making TV. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, but the Handmaiden is this great movie, which I I, I don't want to spoil too much about it, but mm. basically I'll just say the first ten minutes. It sets up, and you're like, this is South Korean Downton Abbey. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's this Handmaiden who comes yeah. from this poor village, who's integrated into this uh, very wealthy family, and basically a slave. And you're like, oh, this is going to be some sort of really dry, very yeah. worthy movie about, you know, class and about, you know, yeah. the way the rich yeah. use the poor yeah. and like throw them aside. And then within five minutes, you realize, oh, no, she's a con artist. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> she's yeah, conning yeah. the family. And then and an there's this crazy the, scheme yeah. happening. And then an hour into the movie, you're like, is this porn? <laughs> but <laughs> yeah. like really well done porn. Yeah, yeah exactly. And um, it's got this amazing structure where... The first third of it is from the the handmaiden's perspective. Yeah. The second third is from the wealthy woman's perspective, yeah. and then um, third perspective is sort of um, wrapping up kind all of those elements. Yeah, but yeah, it, yeah. it's great. Yeah. It's a fantastic yeah. movie. I love it so much. And um, very Hitchcockian. The way that the movie, the pieces slide together, yeah, yeah. like it's almost like beautiful architecture. Yeah, the way for I love it so. Much. Great queer movie. Fantastic. Yeah. Any other movies you want to talk about? Um, well, I figure we may as well mention Train to Busan. Oh yeah. yeah, which is like the most propulsive movie I've seen in years because it's just like much like another South Korean movie, Snowpiercer. It's set almost completely on a train, yeah. and there's zombies on the train. Yeah, top of action in a f- yeah. speeding vehicle. Yeah. Shadow Busan's perfectly yeah. that. I and didn't even think about it. That's it. There are zombies on a train, and the people have to stay on the train because it's the only train to Busan, and Busan is the only non-infected city. Yeah, there's not really many characters in the movie. Well, there's loads of archetypes. But there's no like proper characters. But you really fall in love with all of them. Like you really root for everyone involved, except for the dickhead businessman who you really want to see die. And this is another movie about class. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. And it's like again, it it's only like about ninety minutes long, and it finds kind of the time to invest a lot of that, a lot of the melodrama that the villainess tries to uh, put in. Uh, and the villainess does it quite well, but Train to Busan does it even better. Mm. Yeah. I'm going to cheat and pick, instead of a movie, a TV show I've just started watching oh. from South Korea called Kingdom. Oh, yeah. That's on Netflix, isn't it's it? It's on yeah, Netflix. Yeah. And by the time this episode comes out, it'll probably be, its second season, I think, will have dropped. Oh. And it's a it's a show um, set in sometime in feudal yeah. South Korea where um, basically the king has died. But mm. he needs to be kept alive because otherwise uh, his wife is pregnant and they need to give birth Otherwise, the kingdom will go to um, his bastard son. Okay, yeah. So the way they do it is that they turn him into a zombie. Okay. <laughs> and the show is this very sincere, very, you know, dedicated to the feel of those type of yeah. um, old classical, you know, feudal stories, yeah, yeah. you know, like royalty fighting yeah. with each other, but with zombies. Okay, yeah. And it's another mm. example of that uh, yeah. amazing reinvention mm. and... There's an actress in it who I love, who's South Korean, called Duna Bae, mm. who is in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. Um, so 
you know, in terms of finding all these movies, which not all of them are on Netflix, mm. but that's a thing you could you could watch right now yeah. if you have Netflix. Yeah. So, yeah. Um, also, the movies that we're going to talk about next week, uh, uh, I picked Joint Security Area, Secret Sunshine, The Good, The Bad, and The Weird, The Drug King, which is on Netflix, and Parasite. Uh, yeah, I picked Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, Memories of Murder, The Host, Snowpiercer, and Thirst. All fantastic movies. Yeah, really amazing good. movies. Yeah. Yeah, so follow us on Twitter and I know that face P one. Yeah. Or uh send us an email on I know that face pod at gmail.com yep. if there's somebody you want to cover yep. or you're somebody who works in film and like to be involved in the show. Um until then, see you later, Cinephiles. Bye bye. This has been a production of the Headstuff Podcast Network.